Welcome to our first podcast coming to you live from the Haven here in Lafette, Georgia. Um, We are here to bring you the real life stories behind the people that live them. We want to take the labels off of how we seem to categorize people into groups and discuss today's struggles, trials, and hopefully a little bit of encouragement. Today we have with us a gentleman by the name of John, and I'm going to ask him to share a little bit of his story. John, tell me about yourself. How, how has life treated you? Life in the past was growing up as a kid. I got into drugs. I got in and out of jail. Um, got into drinking real bad. So it I, sounds like you've had a lot of, you know, self-inflicted obstacles. It was exactly what it is. My own fault. What would you say was the catalyst for those? Like, there was, was there a reason you got into all that? Was it your social life? Was it something that happened? I'd, I'd say it was a social life. It was definitely the social life. You put yourself around those that are using and doing. The next step is you're going to be using and doing. Right. And once you're on it, you're on that roller coaster of life. And it's hard to come off of it. Right. So definitely so, social would you say maybe role models also set that example or did you have pretty good did you have a pretty good set of role models no no you didn't have no, a good set I of role models I had a single models. one not a single good good role model growing up I hate to hear that so essentially you kind of learned your patterns and learned where to turn for your escapes mm-hmm. and my escape led to drinking alcohol so your childhood kind of developed your your future exactly and it just set the pattern for what roads you took mm-hmm. and, and the directions you were going to go. But it couldn't have been all bad. I mean, no. during those times where you were in addiction and you were in drug abuse, there had to be points of your life that made you stay in those places. Like, what did it bring you? Did it fulfill something? Did it take you places you wouldn't have otherwise gone? It was more of, it started off being like experimenting. Um... My very first drug I ever took when I was 14 was ecstasy. And I went to the neighbor's house and said I had a real bad migraine. And he said, I got something for you to take your migraine away. I said, thank you. And he was, I was 14, he was probably 16, 17. And he gave me a, a little Xanax pill. I didn't know what it was. I thought it was Advil. So I go home, my parents get off of work. They come home and obviously something's wrong with me. And they're like, what happened? And I said, I went over to so-and-so's house and they gave me this little blue pill for a migraine. They actually and, popped you a molly. Yep, exactly what it was. And then I remembered that feeling and of how I was with the XCE and the molly and all that. And then I started drinking, got my parents back. And then I think it really kicked off when I was in the high school. We had open canvas lunch. We could leave for, for, for lunch and then come back to the school. Well, my buddy lived across the street from the school, so every day we'd go to his house and we would smoke weed, we'd do coke, we would drink liquor, and then go back to class. And everybody knew when John had that Mickey Mouse cup, true story, had that Mickey Mouse cup and then sunglasses on. But there was alcohol in that Mickey oh, Mouse cup. Oh, yeah, straight room. I was sipping on it out of a straw. 
So I, I guess it would be safe to say that you really didn't pass high school with flying colors. No. <laughs> but see, you and I have talked before, and you've had a pretty good life. You worked in Florida. What was it you did in Florida? I did marine construction down there. And you were making some pretty good cash I, I, doing that. Oh, yeah. I, I cleaned up for a long time. I moved to North Carolina from Florida, and then North Carolina back to Florida and Fort Lauderdale. And then what got me back on the drugs was moving down to the Florida Keys. So you went clean for a little while. Mm-hmm. Moved no to alcohol, Florida. No drugs, no nothing. Got nice and comfortable in yep. the Keys, which let's face it, that is a beautiful place beautiful to Beautiful place live. To, to visit. To visit. <laughs> so it's not a place you would recommend living. No. Um, so all of your money, essentially, that you were bringing in, how much would you <clears throat> How much would you say you were making a week in the Keys? It won't nothing for me to come home with uh, 1500 bucks a week, 2000 a week. Wow. It wasn't nothing. And, and where my, is it? Where my is rent it now? Was, my rent was 800 I think. So, so where is it now? You know, I don't know. It, it all went I, it, to... Where is it now? You want that answer? Yeah. God, honest truth, you want that answer? Where all my money went to? Yes. What I'm going through today. I would love to hear it. What I'm going through today. Recovery. I, I, I finally opened my eyes. It put me in the hospital. Now a doctor says I have heart failure. So all that money and all that time, every time I take a drink, he'd take a day away from me. So you, you'd safe to say that all that money you were making outside of your rent and your utilities, you know, that went to feeding your addiction. Mm-hmm. If about you about had, four, four five hundred a week. If you had to choose between food and either the alcohol or your drug of choice, how often were your cabinets empty? All the time. All the time. How did you feel? I'm willing to bet you I've never met an addict in my life who wanted to be an addict. No. There had to have been an everyday battle, a desire for you to come Ex- off. Exactly what, what it is. It's an everyday battle. When you talk to yourself, you know you're doing wrong. You know you're hurting yourself. You know you are addicted. So what but made you it, hide it. What made it so hard to overcome it sooner? Like, what... What put that challenge there where you weren't able to come out of it years ago when you were I didn't have it. to then. You didn't have to. There was no need to. There was no need to. I had plenty of money. I was selling it. So I was making um, money from work. I was making money from dealing it. So you were just living life. Life was good. I mean, you were living life. Yeah, life was good. And then all of a sudden, you meet your beautiful wife. Mm-hmm. We've been together for nine and a half years. And married for almost two married years. Married almost two years now. And uh, and you still battled with addiction yep, during I, that. I, I actually, I, I feel bad and it's wrong for me to say, I'm the one that got her on everything as well. She got on drinking, she got on the cocaine, she got on the Molly and the X. So you took her down. Yeah. You just kind of But then on the other into... side, I'm grateful that I did because we quit together. We put the Molly together. She's never a real big drinker. But we quit the Molly together. We both knew how to help each other because we both knew what we were going through. And then we got on the cocaine. We both got off it together. And then we moved up here to Georgia and we made a a, a vow to ourselves that we're not touching it no more. So let me ask you the real questions where the rubber meets the road. All right. When you decided it was time, you're done. You know, I don't, I don't want this anymore. How 
How hard was that? I mean, what? I never, I never got to that. My wife did it for me. Your wife did it for you. When I kept falling, I kept having seizures. The final time, she drug me to the couch, helped me get on the couch, and I went into full seizure. Came back to, and the first thing she said was, "That's it, get in the truck." And she took me to the hospital. We didn't know what was going on. And that's when I found I had the heart failure. And that's what I was in there for almost two weeks. And they detoxed me when I was in there. And when I got clear-headed with everything out of my system, that's when laying in the hospital bed with a, with a heart back, because that hospital bed ain't comfy. The food ain't all that good. So how much damage has your body taken? through these years. I mean, how old are you? I'm 37. I became a diabetic because of it. And then I be, then I had uh, um, cirrhosis of the liver, kidney failure. Then it went back to the liver. And then now, and now the heart. And now the heart. So this is where your regrets come in. Oh, yeah. This is where you look at your children and you think, if I'd only done That's, this sooner... And you thank God, I'm sure, every single day for a wife who basically took you by the ear and said, this is it. Yes. And you You know know? her. Yeah, she's one heck of a woman. Let me, she don't play. Your wife does not play. And I've heard you say that a lot. She's my 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 ride ride or die. She stands beside you. And she reached a point where she was like, metaphorically she smacked you in the face pretty much yeah she smacked you in the face and she said all right it's time to wake up it's time to grow up yeah and it's time to be what our family i had a late late timing of growing up so your addiction essentially stole everything it stole your jobs it puts you in comedy yeah it puts you in a place physically where you can't work a good job now yeah um i i I remember going to my job in the keys doing marine construction and my boss calling me in his office saying I smell like alcohol or my eyes look funny or what were you doing on a Facebook at 3 o'clock in the morning and he knew what was going on he was trying to help me through it and now I think back of it he could have easily fired me that's what I was just about I to say I smacked him in the face and he was trying to help does that kind of make you angry though that he didn't that he didn't intervene more that instead of no, asking because you, you can those only questions help, help those who, who want to be helped be honest with you if back then I didn't want no help it takes that person coming to that other person in other words you have to say help me yeah you know you can't force it on exactly. the person who doesn't want it Not now once you found sobriety how hard is it to get people to believe that your life has changed those who know me they know I've changed like Anthony out there just now he says I can tell you're you're, you're clean by your eyes it's cleared up People that you're around all the time, they know your daily routine. They know how you act. Are you fidgety? Are you whatever? And, and now you just get to enjoy that beautiful baby yeah. that's being carried around as we talk. How old is he now? Three months. Almost four months. Three months old. And you've got your beautiful daughter in the other room. Yeah. She's four. She's four. She's four years old. And my oldest son, he's 11. He comes home next month. So, I mean, you've basically gone most people see riches as money in the bank you know when when we think of riches we think of the nice big beautiful house Mm -hmm. 
We think of the nice, shiny car, <clears throat> you know. My richness is right here. I was about to say, but you literally went from rags to riches, but we're not talking financial riches. Nope. We're talking rags to riches. You now have a rich, blessed life. Yep. Um, you and I, when, when you got married, you got married right here at the Haven. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was quite a memory because we had to find somebody to conduct the ceremony. Yeah, because we didn't because, plan on getting married. <laughs> yeah, it, and, and Pastor wasn't here, so we had to find somebody to, to do the ceremony. And that's what got you started attending two churches. Yep. Because you fell in <clears throat> love with the pastor we did find. That was the deal. He would marry us in return that I go to church. I think you go to church. And, and as, how did he know that I needed to go to church? He didn't know. Oh, he knew somehow, some way. But that's because exactly the that's man because he knew. So you're rich in many aspects mm-hmm. now. And while you're 37 years old, some people might think it's too late. You know, yeah. he waited no, too long. Too late. There's probably people hearing this right now, going, "I don't want to have sympathy for a person like that." He just openly admitted that he chose this. Yeah. What do you have to say to them? Then don't. You know what? That's cool. You don't need that sympathy. I don't. You've got Christ, you've got yeah. your wife, you've got your kids, you've got your if adopted family. I got, if I got family the Lord, I got my wife, I got my kids, what more do I need? What do you have to say to people battling addiction? Like if there's somebody listening to this right now that is in the place you are, where they're saying, I'm good, I don't want out of this, I'm making money, I'm living life to the fullest, ain't nobody going to change it, I'm just going to keep using and I'm going to keep moving. What would you say to them? you got to be honest with yourself. And you got to find one person that you trust and relieve the trust that you give in yourself over to them. But first of all, you have to step back, take a look, and say, maybe this isn't as good as I think it is. Yep, exactly. Well, we're fixing to turn this off. Do you have any parting words to whoever might be listening? It's our first podcast. We probably got nobody listening but just in case do you have any parting words for them i ain't never been to church a day in my life until i met to the haven and uh in return of being married i go to church and i've learned that god's got a plan for everybody you may not know what that plan is you may not like what you're going through <laughs> and that's the kicker right i mean it sometimes is. we go in it kicking and screaming me? well you know what god gave me all these obstacles that I've went through in life and all these illnesses that I've battled oh and cancer also I beat that all because of what I've done just to shape you yeah shape me and to build me to who I am today and to reach out to those that want to be reached out to and that's the key word is they have to want want. I mean as as we see here in the haven you know, you got people that come in here and, and they don't don't want that help. They like, just want what you have to give for them. For example, my wife's car, we want to sell it. So the other day I was taking pictures of it, washing it, so we can put it online for sale. And I opened the trunk and I'm taking everything out of the trunk and bam, there's a bottle of rum sitting mm. in the trunk. And I first thing I did is pop my head over the trunk to where my wife's at <laughs> and I grabbed that bottle and I started to twist the top off and I was no no I poured it all out how do you think it got in the trunk maybe left there from before oh I was I'd buy them two or three at a time I forget I have one 
Well, I'm, I'm very proud to hear you dumped it out. Um, that's, you know, that's a sign. We had to get sign. in the wants. And I'm sure that was hard. I don't want to go down that road. I mean, but on the same hand, you probably wanted to twist that top and take a few swigs. Oh, yeah, I did. You know, and that's the thing is you because don't. I, you, you, overcoming an addiction, you can overcome it. You can overcome anything in life. You're always going to have that, that thought in the back of your head. You're always going to miss that feeling because that feeling is always going to be in your head. But again, listen to what I said. It's in your head. And see, I you think, control your mind. I think one of the things that I think we've brought out many times through this conversation that we had, and this is going to be the last little bit because we are running out of time, is coming out of addiction is hard. And sobriety is hard. But the sobriety is worth it. Yes. You know, if you're going to fight, gonna fight if you're going to fight the battle and you're going to fight a fight, let's fight one that leads to a glorious end that, instead of something yeah. that's just going to keep dragging you further and further down. And the yeah. road's difficult and a lot of people don't make it. Got them speed bumps you know? for a reason. And a lot of people find sobriety and relapse. Yep. But hang in there. Yep. You're right, hang in there because eventually it's going to catch. Yes. Eventually well. it's going to stick. I want to thank everybody for tuning in and listening to um, our little conversation here with John. And there's a lot more of the story that I'm sure John can tell. And maybe at a later point in time, we'll revisit and see if he has anything additional he wants to share with everybody out there. If you'd like to help this ministry, um, we have a ministry here called The Haven Lafette, where we work with a lot of people through the obstacles you're going to hear about through our podcast. There are many ways to do that, and one of them is our Facebook page, The Haven Lafette. And you can donate monetarily right through that page. I hope everybody has a beautiful day, and stay tuned for what's coming next. Yeah! Yeah!